Isaiah chapter 53. I'm sure if that hymn was around during the days of Isaiah, he would have gladly have bursted out in singing that hymn as he spoke those words <clears throat> concerning the glories of Christ. We'll look at that later, but when our Lord quoted this verse in the Gospel of John, he said, when Isaiah saw him and his glory. So what we see in Isaiah 52 and 53, in the passion of Christ, we see the very glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Thou, o Christ, are all I need. He found everything in Christ. Is it any wonder the prophet would break out and cry, Who hath believed our report? The amazing thing is, as we'll look in a few minutes, is that same report which the prophet declared and wondered who would believe was a report that God had showed him. It's a gospel that God, if you're saved, has revealed unto you. A gospel that Peter said the prophets searched diligently to find out and that the angels desire to know. Greg, can you close those doors, please? That same gospel that the prophets sought diligently to know and the angels seek to look into is something that God has revealed to us. It's amazing enough that He would reveal it unto us, but for Him to say now, take that same report, that same doctrine, that same gospel that you now love and believe and embrace and adore and worship and tell it to others who don't know it. Would you not, as well as the prophets, say, Lord, how can I ever do that? I can express what Christ means to me, I can feel and sense His love and mercy and grace. I love Him whom I've never seen, as Peter says, and I've tasted that the Lord is good, and I know the grace of God. Yet, Lord, for me to proclaim such a message, such a report to those that know not the who should believe this report, and unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. There were many things this past week, actually past few weeks, that occupied my heart and mind, some more troubling than others. But as I read and meditated on these two chapters of Isaiah, to say that my breath was simply taken away would be a great understatement. For in the light of these divine truths, every care and every trouble of this present life quickly vanished in the face of Jesus Christ and His glory of whom 
these words of the prophet declare. Isn't it amazing what the Word of God does for us, dearly beloved? Isn't it amazing the comfort that it gives us? Oh, and the peace and joy, how it makes all cares and troubles of this world quickly vanish as we look into the face of Christ, whom we love and adore, and in whom we find everything, everything. For the report of which the prophet speaks of, namely of Christ and His passion, one which he wondered who would believe, the prophet, by God's grace, believed. Look in Isaiah chapter 52, 6-10 again. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted His people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Watch this. The Lord hath made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our Lord. The prophet had seen and understood and believed the report of which he has problems or wonders that others would believe. For the arm of the Lord was revealed unto him. And now the Lord would say, give a report of that which you've been enabled by God's grace to believe. And when God does, the prophet cries, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? <clears throat> the report, or the gospel of Jesus Christ, dearly beloved, I'm sure all of us will bear witness to, is no ordinary message. That's why the prophet cries, who hath believed our report. It's no ordinary message, nor is any man capable of conveying its divine message of repentance, forgiveness, and mercy without divine assistance, because these two questions put together define that. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Which simply says it's impossible with divine without divine assistance we have something to say something to report something that is vital and amazing and wonderful beyond all human comprehension it is that amazing and yet without divine intervention without divine assistance such a report could never be believed it's an amazing thing who shall believe our reports the sin of unbelief and god denying man to see the light the sinner stands in a terrible position. Because if your sins do not keep you from Christ, there's a possibility God Himself keeps you from Christ. Who hath believed our report? 
They can't believe it. Unbelief is a sin that keeps you from Christ. And yet at the same time, he says, it is God who has to reveal it to you, but if God chooses not to, then you're left in your sins. What a deplorable condition that is for a sinner to be in. If I were you this morning without Christ, I would be crying out to God at this very moment in my heart, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. For I do not wish that my sins keep me blind, and I do not wish that you keep me in the dark. Over in John chapter 12, the Gospel of John chapter 12. In verse 37, our Lord would quote from this prophet Isaiah, listen closely to these words, both saint of God and those of you who know not Christ. Verse 37 of John chapter 12, but though he had done so many miracles before them, so many miracles before them, yet they believed not in him. Now stop there before you read on with me. This is not a prophet. This is not an ordinary man. This is Christ, the Son of God, who'd done so many miracles. And yet, the Word of God says, yet they believed not on Him. How depraved the sinful man, that even when the very Son of God stands before them and does so many miracles, they still yet refuse to believe in Christ. Do you realize your deplorable condition this morning? That you are of yourself unable to even know anything about Christ? If God does not remove your blinders, you shall die in your sins and be forever separated from God in the darkness of damnation. If God does not move and open up your eyes, you can look at the greatest miracles in the world, even done by the very Son of God Himself, and you'll still die in your sins. Verse 38, that the saying of Isaiah to prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not, they could not, listen to this, they could not believe. You have, again, who shall believe our report, and unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In this quote here by Christ. They did not believe, even though he did a lot of miracles. The responsibility is on them. It's their own fault. Their unbelief. And yet at the same time you hear Christ saying they couldn't believe, therefore they couldn't believe because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Here is an amazing thing. That Christ would attribute their unbelief not to their own doing, but because of God sovereignly choosing to blind their eyes and harden their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and be healed. Oh, this is where I was so taken back this past week in meditating on these verses because that could have been my condition. Yours as well, if you're a child of God, 
If it were not but the grace of God, our eyes would be blinded, our hearts would be hardened. We should not see with our eyes, We would nor, nor would we understand with our heart. We would never be converted, and Christ would never have healed us of our sins. But he has. I believe there's a great deal of affection and adoration for Christ which has been lost in this intellectual age in which we live in. Few children of God can truly say that I am so taken by Christ throughout the week that sometimes I have no desire to be here but only to be with Him. I want nothing but Christ. I find everything in Him. Do you realize the great blessings that you have this morning? And I've mentioned it often these past few weeks. you realize the great blessings you have this morning of being in the midst of where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached, where the gospel is being proclaimed, and where God and His grace and mercy through Christ is being proclaimed and preached to you? You say, I don't know. Maybe God's hardening my heart. Maybe God's blinded my eyes and kept me from understanding. Maybe God does these things and I'll never be converted. Don't be such a fool. Look at what you have this morning that thousands that are driving by at this very moment, not even concerned about the eternal soul, not even concerned about Christ. Thousands, literally thousands here in Coleman alone who are not darkening the doorstep of a church, not hearing the gospel, they should be worried. You are here. What a privilege that is. You think that's by accident? Or destiny? I would take such a privilege and I would cry out to God. Open my eyes. Soften my heart. Let me see with my eyes. Let me understand with my heart that I might be converted and that, Lord, by your grace, I might be healed. In these words of Christ, we see the declaration of the gospel's effect upon men to the one which Paul declared to the one were a savior of death unto death, and to the other savior of life unto life. And he said, And who is sufficient for these things? Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The gospel is an, an amazing message. And I fear the churches today have, have, have looked at it in such a... a, a an incorrect way, an incorrect manner. I, I believe we handle the gospel incorrectly. We believe simply because we're on the radio, in the internet, passing out flyers, passing out tracts, that the gospel is immediately accompanied with the power of God, and yet that's not so. We're, we're trusting more in the words than we are on God, who alone can move the power of the gospel to save. We must be beseeching God, unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, not simply we have a report. The power and success, beloved, of the gospel belongeth not unto men, but solely unto God. We can write the most beautiful words on paper. We can put as many scriptures as we want, and I'm not denying scripture nor its power. We can do all of that together, but without the power of God, they will be of none effect. Christ himself stood before them, did many miracles, and they still didn't believe. 
How many conversions, how many converts did we see standing at the foot of the cross when Christ was crucified? We need the power of God. And we can't force it. We can't work it up. We can't produce it of ourselves. Pray ye the Lord of harvest that He would send forth labors into His field. It must be God. And that's what Christ is saying in John chapter 12. It must be God who opens the eyes and opens the understanding and opens the heart. Many today in their blind zeal seek by their own methods and by enticing programs to persuade or convince sinners. Yet nothing short of the power of God can empower the preaching of the gospel to reach sinners. Nothing short of the power of God. And I believe in many ways we've subconsciously left that out. We believe that whenever the gospel is preached, the power of God automatically goes with it. That's not true. The gospel message is a mighty thing. More mightier than we could ever imagine in our own hearts and minds, beloved. And it's the power of God alone that can make the gospel of Jesus Christ effective in the hearts of sinners. And even then, even then when we preach the gospel, Listen to me closely because I hope and pray that it help us to more revere the gospel of Jesus Christ rather than taking it so simple. Even, even then, when we preach the gospel, we know not if it will be a savior of death unto death or a savior of life unto life. I have no idea. I've preached on street corners in Germany. I've preached to drug addicts and homeless people. I've preached in different churches around the world. I've preached the gospel many times in 35 years. I know not each time I preach if it will be a savior of death unto death or a savior of life unto life. That's why Paul said it was sufficient of these things. Therefore, Paul at the same time but speaking of the gospel, he said this report, this gospel, this treasure, and that's what it is. He said God would commit to earthen vessels that the excellence of his power may be of God and not of ourselves. Look at Second Corinthians. Let me show you what Paul's talking about. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. Listen to Paul when he speaks of the preaching of the gospel. Listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. It's not of our own. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, talking about the gospel and preachers, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Talking about the gospel. But, he says, we have this treasure, this report, this gospel in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not 
of us. Even in the preaching of the gospel, Paul says we have this treasure of preaching the gospel in earthen vessels. He's constantly reminded of his weakness and his infirmities and his inability to preach the gospel effectively without God. And we must have the same mindset whenever we preach, whenever we discuss, or whenever we spread gospel flyers out. We can of ourselves do nothing without the power of God. So we plead and beg the Lord of Harvest, let thy power be known in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us not take for granted simply because we're putting out some scriptures and some verses that the power of God automatically goes with it. Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Two things that we see this morning in this verse. Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Two things, specific. The report, the gospel, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, listen to me closely, because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, can of itself, listen to me, not be effective in making sinful man believe its report without the power of God. Who hath believed our report? Question mark. And to whom is the arm of the Lord? You see how he's adding to that? The report is, is ineffective. Ineffective. Not efficacious. Without the arm of the Lord being revealed. Secondly, be not amazed. And I'll only hit briefly on both of these this morning. First of all, the report, the doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ can of itself not be effective to making sinful man believe its report without the power of God. Secondly, be not amazed, and this is something we have to be reminded of always. Be not amazed or confounded by the few, not the many, who truly believe. Lord, who hath believed our report. I'm telling you, this is a complaint God's people's had throughout every age, even Christ himself. Let me tell you something. These people that believe in universal salvation do not know the Scripture, and they don't know salvation, but I'm telling you, there's going to be fewer saved than we thought. People think, oh, there's going to be so many. I'm telling you, the Bible teaches there's not many saved. Don't be confounded when the gospel appears to be ineffective, and few there be that find it. It's a biblical fact. Now, I know in church history, there has been times where we have seen great revival, and it's documented that many thousands have come to know Christ. How many of those were truly converted is not my place to determine nor judge. But even in Spurgeon's days, with all the effect he had with the gospel, even Spurgeon himself would declare 80% of all Baptists are not saved. They know nothing of true Christianity. There are times when the gospel seems to be uh, so effective we see an abundance of souls coming. But in the big picture of things, from Genesis to Revelations, let us not be confounded that there are only few that are saved. 
Therefore, first of all, let me remind you, the first point, the preaching of the gospel must be accompanied by the power of God, which alone can bring salvation to every one that believeth. And we know that, we believe that, who hath believed our report, the prophet says, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, the success of the former to believe is dependent, contingent on the latter. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The revealing of the arm of the Lord, beloved, for the report or gospel and their words themselves cannot save, but must be accompanied by the power of God. I want to show you that verse in Romans we all know so well. Romans chapter 1. Look at Paul's own words on this. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to what Paul says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. His name. <laughs> I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Paul would attribute the salvation of everyone that believeth to the power of God, which must accompany the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's just, that's just normal. Isn't that just to be expected? No. There are so many people today, and this is why I'm not against spreading the word of God everywhere we can. We sow the seed wherever we can. But I believe the church through the ages have forgotten that no matter what we do and how often we sow, if we're not dependent upon the power of God, nothing shall be effective. It takes the power of God. Nothing short of the power of God. And if we're not dependent upon the power of God, who then are we dependent upon? Well, I'm just going to write me out a nice little pretty track and do some things. I say some things in there that I think's right. And, you know, there's some gospel verses in there. And uh, God's surely going to use this. And we'll just read this on the radio. We'll just preach this on the Internet. We'll just send this out in tracks and flyers. And, and, and just, you know, hope and pray that God blesses it. No. Uh, if we're not dependent upon the power of God, who are we dependent then on? On our own ability to word or phrase or say things that might convince the hearers that they need Christ. You see the fallacy of that? Though it's the gospel of Jesus Christ which we're proclaiming, we need to have the mindset and understanding that we need the power of God for it to be successful. And sometimes we just take that for granted. So what do you mean by that? Let me give you some illustrations of it in Scripture. Though it's the gospel, we looked at this last week. Though it's the gospel, last week we learned that the God of this world can blind the minds of them that believe not. He can blind the minds of them that believe not. So you see, the God of this world can blind the minds that they believe not the gospel. If our gospel be hid... It is to those who are lost, whom the God of this world has blinded their minds. You see that? The gospel is being preached, gospel is being said, yet the God of this world is blinding their minds. What does it take? The power of God. You see?
Though Christ did many miracles in our text in John chapter 12, they believed not on Him because their hearts and their minds were blinded. Yes, by God, but were blinded. It was still the gospel itself in Christ, was it not? Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 says, The flaming fire of God's vengeance is promised to those who know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing. The vengeance of God's flaming fire is promised to those who know not God and that obey not the gospel. Somebody's heard the gospel and has not obeyed it. Why not? There lacks a power to enable them to believe. Are you following my train of thought? This is what we need to remember as God's church when spreading, when preaching the gospel. We, of our, we are of ourselves most insufficient. We need the power of God. And if you look through church history, and I've done a lot of studying of it, it began when God's people began repenting and praying before God, pleading and asking God that He might reveal Himself and the gospel that men and women and children might be saved. Not just trust me, trusting in some words or a track or a book, but in the power of God. I'll show you again John chapter 1. Let me wind this thing down here. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 11. Speaks of Christ, he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Power. I, I looked at this verse and I thought about it yesterday and kind of meditating on it and I thought, Lord, it, he gave me power. To become his son. That, that amazed me. How much power did it take to break me from my sins and my iniquities? Nothing short of the power of God. And yet, so little do we as God's people trust in that power when we're preaching the gospel. We spread out the gospel with doubts and insecurities. He gives them power, it says, to become the sons of God, even in them, believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What an amazing verse. I encourage you to contemplate Isaiah 52 and 53 and this verse in John. It's amazing. Took the power of God. Do you, do you know anything of that power? As a child of God, you should. took the power of God to make me a son of God. And that all because of the passion, sufferings of Christ for our iniquities, for our sins, for our transgressions, our chastisement of our peace. By His stripes we are healed. You see how the prophet engulfs all those that believe in Christ? Those are our things. Do you, do you understand that? Those are ours. They belong to us. Christ took our iniquity, your iniquity, my iniquities, your transgression, my transgression. By His stripes, I'm healed. 
That makes him amazing and wonderful and worth every adoration, worship, and praise every man could possibly give to God in his finite body. That God would do such a thing. Nothing short of the power of God to make us sons of God. Nothing short of the power of God can make the gospel successful. Many preach a gospel, yet they leave out the power of God. We're in Luke chapter 13. Let us also, though, not be taken back nor discouraged that there only be a few. Luke chapter 13, verse 23. Listen to the words of Christ. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in. It's always amazed me. Many seeking to enter in. They're not being thoughtful. Here's diligence. They're seeking to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. It's amazing, isn't it? Christ would declare, the seeking are many. Yet the finding are few. Few there be that find it. Not because of lack of trying or striving. He said many are striving. Many are seeking to enter in. It's not lack of striving or trying. But because of a lack of divine light and power. I'm afraid to think of all the years I've preached the gospel, of all the churches I've been in and the churches I've pastored. I fear to think of how many of those who professed a striving to enter in never found their way in. Never. It's a scary thought. I know of a few, more than I wish to know, and I've said it before, of this very moment who are not even showing any signs that they ever knew Christ at all. They don't darken the church door. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They're back to living in the world as they were before. But, oh, there was a time when it looked as though their light shined so brightly and that they loved Christ above all things. And yet if you look at them today, you'd wonder where or how they'd ever even thought about Christ. I'm telling you, there are few that find And listen to me, if you have found by God's grace, if you have been able to believe the report because God has revealed his arm of salvation unto you and he's revealed unto you Christ and he's drawn you unto Christ, no man cometh unto me unless the Father draweth him. It's an inward calling, nothing you can do externally. If God has done that for you, let me tell you something, we ought to be praising God every moment, every second of the day, thankful for such a glorious salvation. And we should be bursting at the seams to tell other people, oh, we don't know if it's going to be a savior of death unto death or life unto life, but we should be bursting to tell everyone we know about the wonderful mercy and grace of our Savior. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? But the prophet goes on to declare the report. He groweth up as a tender branch. 
Oh, beloved, we have the most glorious message mankind <laughs> has ever heard. And God's given it to us to proclaim. Earthen vessels. God, how can... Paul says, I wish that I were a curse for my brethren's sake. Now, I'm not going to try to get into that, whether Paul really meant that or not. People debate that for years, for thousands of years. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just simply saying, Paul loved Christ and knew what he had in Christ so much that he thought, what I have is so good and wonderful, I would be willing to be a curse that others might know it. That's how much Christ meant to Paul. Whitfield said, oh, that I might have a thousand bodies to preach nothing but Christ. Paul said, I know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. What a Savior we have. God, give us grace here at Reformed Baptist Church to take that love for Christ and a sense of our unworthiness and inability without God to take the Gospel out dependent solely upon the power of God that He would bring those who know not Christ to saving faith in Christ. Amen? A genuine saving faith in Christ. Let me close with this verse, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Let me close with these verses so that we might begin our fellowship and today with rejoicing. Listen to Peter, of which, verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 1, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Wow. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Unto you. Unto me. Put yourself in here. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That's what we should be praising and glorifying God for. He's given us a glorious salvation. And now He gives us a glorious report and says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. Why do you think he said, and I am with you until the end of the world? Because without him, we can't do nothing. But with him, we can do everything. Don't doubt the gospel. But also don't believe that simply because we put it out there, it can be effective. God, give us grace to understand and believe nothing short of the power of God can make the gospel effective. We need the power of God again in the preaching of the gospel. May God give us grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for, Lord, inspiring us. We pray now, Lord God, that you'd help us. I know that we're living in perilous days. And I know, Lord God, there are few, there are few, Lord God, that find the way, the straight and narrow way. I pray that, Lord, you'd inspire us, encourage us, and strengthen us to preach the gospel, Lord, to every creature. Lord, let us, Lord God, always have a sense of a need of the power of God in doing all of these things without which all of our efforts will be in vain. And Lord, as we're preaching that gospel, Lord, let the people that hear it and read it sense and realize our great love and adoration for Christ. 
so that, Lord, like as you, when you stood at the grave as Lazarus and they looked on you as you wept, they said, oh, how he loved Lazarus. Lord, may they know from our words, from our countenance, from our lives, how much we love and adore Christ. Oh, Lord God, I pray. It was the love of God that sent his Son into the world. And the Lord said, as you sent me into the world, so send I them. Lord, may our love for you and your love for us constrain us to go out and preach the gospel, trusting trusting in the power of God to make the gospel effective, that many might come to know the Savior whom we love and adore above all things. We ask these things now in Christ's name. Amen.